Welcome to the Nicolay Wealth Management Investment Podcast. On this episode, you will hear Adam Longley and Mike Steppy give an update on the financial markets, talk about what is happening with employment and wages, discuss what shoppers and retailers will be doing this holiday shopping season, review why municipal bonds might be an attractive investment, and are we going to be in a recession for 2023? Be sure to subscribe so you never miss the latest updates on investment management, the economy, and much more in this podcast hosted by Anthony Wellhouse of Nicolay Wealth Management. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Nicolay Wealth Management Podcast. With me are Mike Steppi and Adam Longlays. I'm your host, Anthony Wilhelms, and we can't wait to get started. Mike, will you kick us off with an update on what is happening in financial markets? Sure. For the past couple of weeks, a key change has been another push higher with interest rates. Rates are up 30 basis points, 50 basis points across the maturity spectrum. A little bit higher on the shorter maturities, a little bit less on the longer maturities. If we look back to the end of September, there were the expectations in the market were that we would see three more rate increases over the next three meetings of the of the Fed. Uh, in November, up 75, in December, up 50, and in February of next year, up 25, so a total of 150 basis points. As expected, the Fed raised overnight rates by 75 basis points um, in, on November 2nd. Market, though, now they're telegraphing in Powell's press conference after the meeting, sort of indicating to people at the market expecting two 50 basis point increases. So uh, an increase in December of 50 basis points, and an increase in February of 50 basis points. So that's 25 basis points higher. And when you look at it, it sort of means that at the end of this year, we're going to be at about 440 450 on overnight rates. At the end of the first quarter next year, it'll be over 5%, probably in the range of 510, 520. And later in the year, next year, because the economy is expected to tip into a recession, we'll probably come down 25, 40 basis points. This Fed pushing up interest rates has created a challenging backdrop for equities. At the end of June, S&P 500 index was down 20%, and the market rallied in late July and August. And by the middle of August, we were down about 8.8%. Then, again, as the Fed pushes rates up, we went back to new lows. As of this morning, we're down about 20% here to date on the S&P 500. So what we've seen is inflation staying higher for longer than people expected. At pushing rates up, and the higher rates are a challenging environment for equities because you have a slowing economy, you have higher raw material costs, and wage increases. So it's bringing down the profit estimates for this year and, and next year. All of this, when you look at it, interest rate differentials are still positive for the US, so we see the strong dollar. So we've had a lot going on in the financial markets. Man, Mike, that is so much good information to dig into. I can't wait to come back to a bunch of these items of rate increases, 
uh, interest rate differentials, S&P 500 returns, inflation. We'll loop you in on those too, Adam. Uh, before I get to that, I wanted to ask you a question, Mike, about the October uh, employment report. The employment report's always an interesting number and one that right now is really important because clearly the Fed is watching it. So non-farm payrolls were up 261,000 in October. That was more than what the market had expected. Revisions from the two previous months were up a small amount. Unemployment rate was 3.7%. We've seen that unemployment rate within a fairly narrow range of 35 to 3.7% since March. Labor force participation rate, which people are watching carefully, was unchanged at 62.2. The average hourly earnings increased by 4.7% over the past 12 months. The takeaway from all this is the employment report continues to show strength. It gives the Fed sort of the green light to continue tightening monetary policy and pushing up short-term rates. And so the market is sort of evolving to a position where overnight rates will likely get above 5%, slightly over 5%. Oh, that's a great perspective. I'm excited to come back to that. While we're talking about employment and how businesses are doing, Adam, I'm going to come to you with a question related to a couple of indices that we follow. Would you take the first part of the question to explain why the ISM purchasing manager and manufacturing, uh, or sorry, for manufacturing and for service indices matter? And then the second part of the question is, what are we seeing from those? What are they telling us about the next 12 months? Sure. Uh, you know, why they're important is it's a, much of it is considered a leading indicator, which means it's, it's survey. It's asking companies what they're experiencing. Um, so on, on the manufacturing front, because it does come out in uh, manufacturing and then also in services, but just looking at the manufacturing, the most recent September reading was 50.9. So that means that U.S. manufacturing sector grew production slightly in September. So they did experience growth. This was the 28th consecutive month of growth. Um, but the, the rate of growth is low, and it's actually the lowest since the COVID recovery began. So it's the, the lowest growth of the cycle so far, and it has been decelerating. The new order index component was 47.1, and that means that orders are, are declining. And of, of the different pieces, the new order index is the most leading of the leading indicators. And so this is telling you it's, it's, things are going to slow down and it's, it's considered a negative sign. Um, this level of contraction is usually what we see historically before a recession. Um, also, another component is prices. They continue to increase, but the rate of increase is, is slower. That continues to decelerate. And then on the employment front, companies are now managing, and these are manufacturing companies, managing their headcounts. And, and they're doing that through uh, hiring freezes and then att attrition, which means as people retire or leave, they don't replace them. Uh, on the service side, it's, it's uh, much more bullish. The most recent act, uh, level of activity was 59.1. So that means the service industry continues to experience uh, very good growth. Um, as it continues to recover from, from the COVID shutdowns. The new order index on services was, was over 60. So that indicates the strength should continue for the near-term future here. 
And then the employment growth in the service industry remains positive as well. So very two um, different paths for parts of our economy. Adam, when we think about manufacturing, that one I think is relatively self-explanatory to most people. Service, uh, maybe what comes to mind right away is things like restaurants and hospitality. Are there any other parts of service that people might not be thinking about? Uh, you know, lodging, um, tourism, those are the big ones. But, you know, we've, we've got some third quarter earnings here. And I think a good example was um, what the CEO of Caesars Entertainment said. They said October was the strongest, strongest month in the history of Las Vegas for this company. Um, so obviously that part of the economy continues to do really well. Well, that's uh, interesting information. Mike, you look like you might have something to add to that topic. No, it's just interesting that service sector is doing as well as it is. So it's, it's a positive sign. It is and keeps drawing demand for jobs. Adam, I want to come back to you with an equity question. And Mike in the opening talking about how interest rates and the economy are signaling that we may have uh, or a recession later in 2023. I think you said it as well. Yet there's still maybe a case to be made for not maybe there is a case to be made for remaining invested. How does a portfolio manager like you look at the likelihood of a recession while also staying invested in things like equities? Yeah, there's a, a couple of different ways. Um, if you just look at the, the stock market this year, and we'll, we'll talk about the S&P 500. This is the biggest 500 companies in the U.S. Through the end of October, you know, that market is down 19%. And that's weighted by the biggest companies have the biggest weight. If you look at that same market, but you equal weight it, all companies get the same amount of weight, but then the market's down less than 15. Um, another way to look at it is cut the market in half. The, the value part of the market is, is only down eight and a half. The growth part is down close to 30. So there's a lot of dispersion, which also means there's a lot of um, opportunity for stock picking. You know, in that value part of the market, you have big companies that are very investable, like um, Exxon Mobil, right? Is is up over eighty percent this year. United Health uh, Insurance Company is up uh, over eleven. Johnson and Johnson is is up a couple percent. And then on the growth side, uh, Facebook is down over seventy. Amazon's down forty. Google's down thirty five. Microsoft is down over thirty. So there's there's a lot of um, you know difference and how the different stocks are performing. And so I think that bodes well for active management um, to find opportunities as, as we go forward. And then, um, you know, also, we're largely talking about big companies here. If you look at companies across different sizes, um, you know, small and medium-sized companies, uh, their valuations relative to big companies are interesting right now, meaning they're um, more attractive. And if you look at what happens historically when the market ultimately does find the bottom, you know, these small companies historically have outperformed big companies by 14 percentage points. It's a short period of time. So you're sitting here with a, a part of the market that's um, less expensive and historically has done significantly better. Uh, so there's, there's definitely opportunities. I like that. Great explanation, Adam. Thank you. Mike, when you were opening, you mentioned something related to overnight rates going from 440 to 450 and then up into the fives in 2023. Would you take a minute and explain what you mean by overnight rates and what 
what that means for both a, an investor, a depositor, and a borrower? Sure. Overnight rates are basically Fed funds rate that banks can uh, borrow and lend between, it's the interbank market or overnight cash. Banks that have a surplus sell it to banks that have a deficit, and um, it, it's called the Fed funds market. The Fed can control that um, through the banking system as to where they want that rate to change. So it's sort of an administered rate. The Fed sort of says, this is where we'd like it to be, and we sort of manage it to that. So um, when you look out longer on the yield curve, when you're looking at a five-year treasury or a 10-year treasury, when the Fed isn't in there buying or selling, then that becomes more of a market set rate. And so that's what we're seeing is the Fed is determining where they want short rates to be. Impacts um, customers in terms of eventually uh, with a lag, deposit rates will catch up to where those overnight rates are. And so depositors, rates are going up for them, and that's a positive thing. Um, borrowers, not as good. Uh, so uh, floating rate uh, debt will get will go up with that. And uh, we'll see as those rates go higher, you see pulls the longer end of the curve up as well. So borrowing rates in general are going up, and we, we're seeing that. That's a great point. Well, I'm going thank you for getting some detail on that. Adam, I'll come to you with what is always the trickiest question. Hopefully you can put some data around it to field it related to the upcoming elections. Uh, obviously, people think about them all the time. How will this affect or historically, how have elections affected markets? Uh, real broadly, in the near term, there tends to be an impact, meaning before the election, it's it's a headwind for the stock market. Um, typically, there's there's politicking, promises are being made, um, different ideas are thrown about that ultimately don't happen. And then after the election, when it becomes clear that um, that we won't have those impacts, that tends to be a catalyst, and the market recovers. Perfect. Should be a. An exciting time to be paying attention to markets. Mike, I'll come back to you with a question related to interest rates, but more specifically municipal bonds. Would you take a second to explain why people choose to own municipal bonds, specifically related to tax purposes, and then if these are attractive times to be adding them to portfolios? Sure. The reason uh, municipal bonds are generally sold, so people don't usually wake up in the morning and think, wow, I want to go out and buy a municipal bond. Oh, I do. Most people don't automatically think of that. So people look at it for, for um, high tax pay, people in high tax brackets, they're really attractive. For example, an eight-year municipal bond right now would be trading in the uh, high-quality bond would be in the 340 350 range when we're taping this. And so when you look at that and you look at it on an on a taxable equivalent basis, you have to earn, if you're in a 35% bracket, you have to earn 530 to have that same after-tax impact. So a 530 uh, yield on an eight-year bond is, uh, I think, from a risk-reward profile, I think that's pretty attractive. That's a great point. And the credit quality is strong on a lot of these municipalities, right? Yes. And well, there's a rain. 
Um, you have some municipalities that are doing really well. You have some municipalities that aren't. But, uh, you can find really good ones, and um, you want to invest in those. Presumably, the municipal market is less efficient than, say, the corporate market, or certainly less efficient than the S&P 500. So there's some due diligence that has to be done by the managers. Can you speak to that? Sure. Always looking to, to find the municipalities. You can really understand the cash flows, where you have taxing power and the money flows in, and you can sort of figure out what the expenses are, and you know what money is going to flow out. What you hate are the really complicated ones where uh, there's more uncertainty as to uh, where the money goes and how, you know, how much money they're going to take in. So in general, municipalities in Northeast Wisconsin and across the state of Wisconsin have been very good. Other states, more problematic. Illinois, New Jersey, Connecticut uh, have been more problematic. Thank you. Appreciate the explanation, Mike, or Adam, rather. I'll come back to you, question related to earnings. We've seen a lot of earnings come through for Q3 of 22. What are you seeing and what's that telling us about the future? Sure. Uh, you know, first for Mike, isn't there about 5,000 different stocks to pick from, but over 50,000 different muni bonds? Absolutely. To pick from? It's me gainfully employed. <laughs> All right. Uh, third quarter earnings. Um, so far, so good. They've, um, we're almost done. I'd say they've come in a little bit better than reduced expectations, if, if that makes sense. Um, we're about 80% done. Um, it, going into the earnings season, we expected earnings to grow about 3% uh, year over year. Um, actual earnings have grown about 4%. Uh, about a month ago, uh, early October, expectations were four and a half percent growth. So, they results were better than um, immediate expectations, but not expectations a couple months ago. But either way, we're we're showing growth. Um, if you exclude energy, the rest of the market earnings actually fell four percent, which is a little bit worse than what the market expected. They expected a three and a half percent contraction. You still have sales growth. Uh, year over year of plus nine to 10%. So you're seeing quite a bit of operating margin contraction. Um, and that's not surprising in this inflationary environment and, and some of the supply chain issues that margins would contract. We're also at extremely high levels, uh, all-time highs coming in. So I think uh, one thing that's been interesting is coming out of this third quarter earnings season is companies have significantly slowed down their share buybacks. Uh, that's the amount of dollars that they allocate to buying back their stock. You know, and I don't necessarily think they're they're trying to time the market or they think their stocks are expensive, but there's a lot of talk about a recession next year. And I think companies are being conservative and maybe keeping a little more cash on hand just in case versus buying back their stock. Um, the, probably the, the three biggest topics on the earnings calls. So after companies release their earnings, they tend to have a, a call where analysts can ask questions. You know, number one was the strength strength of the U.S. dollar. It caught a lot of companies off guard uh, and impacted earnings in a, in a negative, um, it was a negative headwind for most companies. Uh, number two would be price increases. So a lot of discussion about companies' ability or inability to raise prices to the end consumer. Also, you know, what these companies are experiencing from their suppliers and, and how that's going to impact their earnings going forward. 
And then the third big talking point was was the labor market. Uh, on the whole, labor market uh, remains very tight. There have been signs of um, some softness uh, appearing in select industries. You know, most firms continue to hire, uh, but not all. You know, some have specifically said that they're going to do a, a take a pause on hiring um, until there's more confidence or certainty around the outlook. So you have companies like um, Amazon has said, you know, for corporate jobs, office jobs, they're going to they're going to take a pause, but when it comes to drivers and seasonal help, they're going to continue to hire. Um, Google has said that uh, headcount's going to kind of be flat next quarter, um, as well as Microsoft. So you're, you're seeing some job openings decline. Um, you're seeing some softness. And then as we look um, for what all this means for 2023 and expectations, most companies have not factored in a recession into their guidance. Um, the starting point for 2023 earnings growth was 10%. That's been revised lower to 7% growth, but still showing growth. Typically in a recession, um, as the economy contracts, earnings of companies would also contract. And that contraction would be uh, in the magnitude of 10 to 15%, um, which would mean that earnings could potentially decline or be reduced um, from current levels by 10 or 20%. So we're, we're all looking for clues, um, but that 2023 expectations remains pretty um, uh, resilient at, at showing growth. That's, uh, I like the, the finish there, Adam, that it looks resilient for 2023 growth. I'll, I'll take us to a, a less exciting note from Mike about where in this rising rate environment, as we're seeing rates push into the fives, as you mentioned, Mike, for overnight rates and credit quality could be hit if we see um, a recession continue or begin in 2023. Where are the credit issues going to emerge in the future, Mike? Wish I knew exactly. Uh, what you try to do is get a feel for where there's a lot of change going on and where people could be negatively surprised. One area that stands out to me you're seeing problems in sort of the nursing homes, assisted living um, centers, places like that, where they had an expectation, uh, especially relatively new ones uh, that came on stream over the last couple of years, where occupancy was going to be fairly high. And um, if they're operating well below that, um, the amount of equity capital that those places have is generally fairly low. So they can't fund operating losses for very long. So they're on sort of a tight leash. So I think sort of when you go through a period of change like this, you see that these, these areas that are that are more volatile, um, they get hurt. And you're seeing it in general in terms of bank stocks are sort of priced right now as if we're in a, in a recession, in a, a fairly negative recession. So I think it's going to, we're probably going to have a recession, but it's going to be more mild. But you've already seen that discounting going into effect. So I think there's going to be a series of these kind of credit problems that we're going to see over the next year and a half. That's uh, interesting information. I'll stay with you, Mike, and go to the yield curve. When we think of a yield curve inverted, 
means that obviously shorter term rates are higher than longer term rates, which is atypical. It's been historically an indicator of a recession. So my question to you, Mike, is how good is the indicator? Um, will we see that persist into 2023? And what might be the catalyst for it to return to a normal world where longer rates are higher than shorter rates? Great question. And the answer to it is, that yes, I think the light we started curve inverted. We had we had a couple of one day uh, times where it inverted. It really inverted at the beginning of July, and since then we've been in a pretty a constant state of yield curve inversion, and it's sort of been between for the most part between twenty basis points and sixty basis points, and right now we're at the higher end of that range, and all indications are. We're going to go into next year with the inverted curve. So it's going to have stayed around for six months. That's a long time for a yield curve inversion. And the chances are that you're going to, you're going to see longer rates uh, pick up uh, towards that. And next year, if we later in the year, if we get, uh, if we're in a recession and the Fed reacts to that, the Fed is saying right now, they're not going to do that. They're going to have long period where they're going to hold rates stable. We'll see if you're in a downturn, uh, how, how, whether they'll do that or not. But the market is anticipating that they won't and that they'll bring short-term rates down to sort of goose the economy at that point once they see that inflation is under control. The whole, the whole key thing is inflation. If inflation turns down, then the Fed will have been successful in guiding this back down and they probably will uh, ease up on policy. That'll We'll get back to more normal market. Oh, it's exciting times ahead. Well, Adam and Mike, I had a blast learning from you both today. Thank you for taking my questions to the audience. Thank you for tuning in. This is some great information from Adam and Mike. Please take time to rate on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. It helps us become more visible to other people. And please share the podcast with other people as well. If you need anything from anyone at the bank, please reach out. We're always happy to help. And with that, uh, Mike, I will turn it over to you for some parting thoughts. Take a look at these municipal yields. Their yield levels are attractive. Uh, we, you know, One of the, uh, of the things that happens when rates shift up is you get these opportunities. And I think um, looking at, at municipal bonds at this point in time is a good investment. Perfect. Adam, parting thoughts from you. Sure. The holiday shopping season is starting. Uh, uh, last year, shoppers faced supply chain delays, uh, low inventory at retailers. Uh, as a result, most shoppers, um, you know, everyone wanted to get it done early. Uh, good deals were really hard to find. We think this year is going to be a different experience. Supply chains have improved. Most retailers have over-ordered inventory. They're going into the season with too much. Uh, plus, shoppers are, are likely to pull back given fears about a recession. So, guys, I'd, I'd go ahead and wait to the last minute. There's no need to go early this year. And for those like my uh, mother-in-law that enjoy treasure hunting at off-price retailers like TJ Maxx and Nordstrom Rack, 2023 should be a very good year with lots of inventory to pick from. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs>